On today's Spotlight on KRWC, the uh, first Tuesday of the month of May already, and we're going to uh, talk with District 877 Superintendent Dr. Scott Thielman of Buffalo Hanover Montrose School. Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Pretty good. Time flying by here, getting into May already, last couple months of the official school year. Yes, it is. And... Um Things don't slow uh, slow down in the pandemic. They they keep right on rolling. <laughs> just the just the opposite, if anything. Yeah, and uh, we're excited about uh, some of the n- new um, uh, lifting of the restrictions on outdoor activities, and for our student participants um, as they are on the field, not having to wear the mask. Um, but obviously, when they're on the sidelines. Um, the masks go back on. And um, so as more and more people are vaccinated and restrictions are lifted, uh, we can get back to some sense of normalcy. As long as we're on that topic, maybe we'll uh, kind of jump ahead to the to the vaccine clinic as long as we're talking about it and maybe lead off with that this morning. Yeah, we were approached by Wright County Public Health as um, asking if uh, we would be interested, uh, the school district would be interested in uh, providing um, or hosting a vaccination vaccination clinic for students who are 16 or older. As you know, uh, the Pfizer vaccine is rated um, or is approved for 16 and older uh, students, and um, they had conducted a clinic in Delano um, on April 21st, and they reached out to. Uh, BHM schools and asked if we would be interested in hosting something here. Um, we indicated that we would. Um, we know that our students are are receiving the vaccines at other facilities or um, pharmacies and clinics, um, but uh, as a, an opportunity of convenience, um, we are offering it here at um, Buffalo High School, and and all we're doing is providing the space for this. Um, this is going to be run by Stellis Health. So Wright County Public Health reached out to EHM schools and then in turn uh, um, reached out to Stellis Health, and we appreciate their coordination and uh, giving our students this opportunity at um, at Buffalo High School again our staff are not uh, involved with the um, actual vac- uh, vaccinations, but um, just uh, providing the space. And then that is run by Wright County Public Health and Stellis Health, as they've done at their clinics. And um, as people uh, may have received a vaccination, either at the uh, Department of Transportation at uh, Public Health or at St. Michael Albertville um, facility at their uh, on their field at their uh, domed uh, football field that uh, many people uh, participated in in March. Is this uh, for students only, Scott? Do you know, or is it uh, general public as well? No, this is only for students. Okay, and um, they wanted to have that opportunity of convenience for students. Okay, and that is what was the date again? That I didn't even say it is um, May sixth is the first, um, so this Thursday, and then um, they already have the follow up on the twenty seventh. They have to wait three weeks, um, and and then uh, 
students are eligible for their second vaccine. So that'll help us as we go into graduation on the 11th, and uh, students uh, can have both vaccines uh, before graduation. Yeah, that'll be really good. Yeah. Okay. I know you've got a lot of new uh, things to talk about, including uh, some new administrators, so I'll let you start out. Yeah, I want to start with uh, Ed Cox is returning to BHM School District. Um, Ed Cox uh, was a chemistry and physics teacher at um, Buffalo High School, and he he worked in that capacity from 2001 to 2011, and um, and then. Um, Ed took on different roles within the district. He took on the High Potential Services Coordinator and served in that capacity for three years. Um, while doing that, he also served as the interim technology director here at BHM Schools as um, our director moved on, uh, moved over to a new opportunity at the Eden Prairie School District. And then... Um, the um, and then Mr. Cox uh, joined the Shakopee School District as he was an, uh, had an opportunity to be an assistant principal and teaching and learning supervisor, and he was in Shakopee for um, approximately four years, about three and a half uh, years, and then he joined uh, St. Michael Albertville High School and was an assistant principal there from 2018 until. Um, until June 30th of this year, and when uh, July 1st, he'll be rejoining Buffalo High School, and we're really excited to have Mr. Cox um, back with um, Buffalo High School, and um, he he um, he'll do an excellent job for us, as he knows um, many of the staff out there, and especially uh, administrators or colleagues that he used to work with. So we welcome. Ed Cox to the assistant principal uh, position at Buffalo High School. And just so people understand, um, that vacancy was created because um, Tom Bauman, the activities director, is retiring this year. And uh, with his retirement, um, Mr. Nick Gaida is um, moving into that slot and will be the activities uh, director moving forward on July 1st. And then um, uh, Ed Cox will come in and replace Mr. Guida as an assistant principal at the high school. And then we also have a new hire at uh, Tatanka Elementary. Um, Mr. Um, Mr. Metzler is the current um, principal at uh, elementary principal at Tatanka Elementary, and um, he has been with the um, BHM schools uh, for over 15 years, and um, actually the 16 years. And um, we thank Mr. Metzler for his contributions, and he is retiring at the end of this year. Um, and he joined the school district from the Minneapolis um, School Public Schools, and we have a new. Um, um, identified and approved to the board approved the hiring of Andrea Iden as the next Tatanka Elementary STEM school principal. Uh, she is also joining us from the Minneapolis Public School District, and she was an assistant principal at uh, Sheridan Elementary. Um, she's originally from Brookings, South Dakota, and she got her 
elementary teaching degree at Dakota State University in Madison, South Dakota. Um, and then she received her master's in educational policy and leadership from the University of um, Wisconsin in Madison. Um, she's been a language arts and social studies teacher in um, Arizona. Uh, she's also been a sixth grade uh, teacher in Omaha, uh, Nebraska. Um, she has served as a English teacher in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then um, while she was getting her master's degree, she also uh, was a publications assistant in uh, for the WIDA Consortium in Madison, Wisconsin, and then uh, joined uh, Minneapolis Public Schools in 2014 until the present as an assistant principal. So we welcome her um, experiences and leadership um, to the district. Um, she's a, a very um, strong visionary and a systems thinker, and uh, I think she'll um, pick up where Mr. Metzler is leaving off and continue to move uh, to Tonka Elementary STEM School, um, Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics School uh, to the future and um, really looking at, um, at uh, providing those great opportunities for Tatanka Elementary School. So we're excited about her joining the BHM School District. Great. Sounds like a couple of uh, very, very good fits. I know you want to jump to the uh, legislative session. The clock is ticking down there in St. Paul, and I know you've got an update for us there, too. Yeah. Um, when we Every year, it seems um, things are contentious uh, down in St. Paul, and um, this year is no exception. So as school districts uh, began this school year in a pandemic, um, we... Um, were charged, school districts were charged with providing uh, learning opportunities for any family who chose to have their child um, in a distance learning model. And then we um, traditionally, obviously, were in person every single day. Um, we had to navigate those learning models, as I've spoke about on with you in the past, and a hybrid where it was every other day or in person as we currently have right now. Um, while we're going through that process, um, we didn't we didn't reduce our staff even though we were down 320 uh, students. And um, we were down those students because um, about 200 chose uh, homeschooling. And... Um, and then others um, delayed their entry into into school or chose another uh, venue with um, non-public um, private schools. So as we navigated that, uh, we had to come up with a plan to provide distance learning for any students that wanted to have distance learning. Um, we were at a high of about 1,200 students throughout the district that chose that. Now we're at about 950 at this point in time. Um, as we navigated all of those pieces, we created uh, budgets, and um, I'll talk a little bit about that, but at the legislature, um, we depend on them to recognize that uh, school districts had a, a challenging year and had to go about funding um, that year with the funds that we have. Um, 
And that's not a bad thing. It just is uh, something that we have to to navigate. Um, and we um, are hopeful that the district or that the legislature recognizes that. Well, as we go into the session and coming out into conference committee with the education bills from the House and the Senate that have to be reconciled in order to to be approved. Um, we are facing a situation where um, the Senate, uh, the Minnesota Senate, is saying that uh, school districts shouldn't have any additional funding on the general formula. The House is saying that uh, school districts should have an increase of 2% and 2% uh, in the biennium. So they're always looking at a two-year cycle in the biennium. Um, and the governor is proposing a 1% increase the first year and a 2.5% um, in the second year. Um, they are talking about having additional funding for summer school and those options, um, but uh, or summer school, but that is an optional program. It's not a required or mandated program that uh, students have to attend. So um, as you can imagine, uh, navigating a year, where we're in and out, um, some students are are not going to be interested in that option. And um, but at the same time, we're continuing to work and move forward with trying to make it as easy on the families as possible. And uh, this year, we're going to expand our transportation for those students uh, in K-12 who need that uh, either credit recovery at the at the high school level or um, targeted services in math and uh, language arts and English reading uh, so that they can be successful when they move into next school year. So um, as we look at the legislature uh, and what they are proposing, it um, it begins to become a little tricky as we um, plan for the future. So when when we look at uh, our expenses and getting ready for the school year, um, we had some additional funding to uh, be ready for sanitizers and um, disinfectants and masks and uh, personal protective equipment. Um, then the ventilation in the school um, uh, in the schools, the classrooms. Um, water fountains, pe things that people wouldn't normally think of, um, making them uh, touch-free, um, and uh, all of those um, considerations as we're going uh, uh, into this pandemic and opening uh, school back in September. Um, and then when we look at the budget, as I said earlier, uh, the district received $1.5 million uh, fewer in funding due to uh, the enrollment. Now, we did get additional funding in uh, from federal surface, um, sources, about $2.1 million, um, and so that helped. Um, but then we also saw a decrease in... in um, interest earnings, and uh, we saw reduced uh, earnings in, in COBRA and, and fundraising and fees that we charge. Uh, so uh, on the revenue side, um, we saw about $7,000 fewer 
revenue that we received. But on the expense side, uh, as you can imagine, all of the um, pandemic supplies and purchases um, added up to um, over one point almost $1.9 million in supplies that were additional. Now, we had some offsets um, because we had some fewer um, staff and uh, substitutes. Long-term substitute costs were down and the benefits that are, uh, are attached with that. But in, in overall, we ended up with um, $287,000 uh, in additional expenses. So as we go and cast forward, uh, we have to project out, okay, what is this year going to end um, on, uh, because as students uh, are in their senior year, they can elect to graduate early. And about eight, ten years ago, uh, the legislature said if students graduate early, then uh, they're going to recapture the dollars that were um, scheduled to be for the school district for the whole year. So we still have to hire teachers for the whole year, but we can have a handful of students that graduate early, and it impacts the bottom line uh, for the revenue that school districts receive. So um, we appreciate the support our community has given us. In, in 2019, a levy was passed um, supporting the school district and operating levy. We planned to use um, and build up the fund balance in the first few years and then use that on the, the last few years. So we anticipated we'd end the year at a $2.2 million surplus uh, to help the fund balance as we maintain looking forward. And um, that um, surplus will be about $1.6 million instead of two point two. So about $615,000 reduction in uh, the surplus moving forward. So all of those are moving parts, Tim, that we have to balance. Uh, we have to look at that uh, enrollment drop of 320. We're planning that uh, we'll get about 50% back. We're hoping for more than that, but when you're really uh, planning, you don't know who will actually um, walk through the doors in, in, in the fall. We, we get pretty good at uh, estimating that and, and projecting those enrollments uh, using software um, and applications and, and trying to plan out for the future. But um, we never really know, just like this year, we, we didn't plan on having 300 fewer students. So, um, and that's not just here in Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. That's uh, throughout the state. So it's not a... Um, uh, an isolated uh, issue. So I think that's where it becomes frustrating, Tim, is that the state and the legislators know this because people are telling us all the time that you have to take that into consideration. And then when you hear that, well, you won't get any additional uh, funding, um, it doesn't make sense when everything just kept rolling forward and we had expenses through the, the year and and inflation um, is attached to all of those. So um, that's kind of an overview of, of where we are there. Um, but we should probably um, end on a, a, a higher note than that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and before we leave that topic, and of course, there's just absolutely no way to know at this point uh, uh, whether or not it's going to be required to to uh, continue to have the alternative uh, learning models uh, in intact for next year. Uh, I mean, this may or may not, you know, be a factor for a fair amount of time yet. We don't know. Exactly. And that's, we are planning for, um, if parents are still looking for that online option or a distance learning option, we're working with one of the partners that uh, we're a member of the Southwest Metro Intermediate District. And um, they've been working to provide an option where we wouldn't have to have our staff provide those opportunities. Um, But we still want parents to be part of our school district, and that might be an option for them. We don't know if it's going to be mandated or if it's a, a, an optional program that school districts can provide. Um, part of, we pride ourselves on options and having uh, magnet uh, schools and here at Discovery, um, uh, a lottery opportunity for Discovery Elementary and multi-age um, classrooms. Um, and this, as we're looking forward, would uh, keep the students in our system and it would just uh, be provided by an, uh, a partner. And uh, so that would help offset um, the potential loss of additional students. So, yeah, it's uh, we don't know really what's what's going to happen. Very, very fluid. Well, yeah. we happen to be talking to you on a, a, a good day, Teacher Appreciation Day and Teacher Appreciation Week and a number of other uh, accolades there, too. Yes, exactly. Um, we have Teacher Appreciation Week, May 3rd through the 7th, and then this is actually uh, Teacher Appreciation Day, and we just um, really um, appreciate their uh flexibility and rolling through uh, the learning model changes. Um, We're hopefully going to be in person for the remainder of the school year. Uh, I know that we've had some uptick in in cases in Wright County and pretty high uh, according um, as it uh, compares to other counties in the state. Um, But we just really appreciate all that they've uh, gone through and prepping and and being ready to to change, um, especially as they've had uh, students who quarantine, that affects them also in some cases. And so they've been teaching from home uh, because they they have to quarantine from the building. So I can't say enough about our teaching staff and our teachers and how much we appreciate them uh, every day, all the time. But really, this is uh, very appropriate as a teacher appreciation day, um, and and we also have uh, National Nurses uh, National Nurse Appreciation Day on May sixth, the School Lunch Hero Day on May seventh, and the National Child Care Provider Appreciation Day on May seventh. Also, um, all the groups mentioned have played a key role in keeping our students on track for the school year, and we can't thank them enough. Nurses for following the guidance from the Minnesota Department of Health and the Minnesota Department of Education to keep our students healthy and safe and knowing when students need to quarantine and when they can safely return. Our nutrition services staff continue to serve students in school and in distance learning. 
and uh, all of the students who go out on quarantine and wish to receive their, their meals. They're on top of making sure our students are fed and ready to learn. Our child care providers who have also rolled through the changes in learning models and if uh, students have to quarantine. So um, they've been there when uh, we've changed learning models and, and accommodated parents. Um, it's been a challenging year and a half, and uh, they have all stepped up to make BHM schools the place where our students can dream, believe, and achieve. So we're very, very proud and appreciative of their uh, roles in our school district. Um, as we close out, I just want to congratulate. Um, we have four seniors that were recognized um, um, at the Resource Training and Solutions uh, Students of Excellence Award Program, Molly Hedden, uh, Emily Regala, excuse me, Sydney Newt, and Corey Crest. So congratulations to them. Um, as I said, we're returning to a, a bit of normalcy. Prom wasn't exactly like we've done in the past, but uh, we did have uh, prom on Saturday, and they had the Grand March, and then they combined that because homecoming was canceled this year because we weren't going to have uh, football, and then we could bring it back. So we're celebrating homecoming this week also. Um, so they had the the homecoming court uh, the same night on May 1st, and um, and they're celebrating, as I said, this week. Our homecoming king was Bartholomew Flynn, and homecoming queen was Jocelyn Peterson. Uh, congratulations to the whole um, entire homecoming court. And then coming up, our... Our, we'll we'll be on the air one more time before graduation, on um, on June 8th. But the uh, 11th is our scheduled graduation. Um, the high school staff and administration are administration are working very hard uh, and planning the high school graduation. This year we're going to be outdoors, and so just navigating all the changes. Um, with um, the Minnesota Department of Health. We're appreciative that we actually have the opportunity to have our students uh, at a graduation. Obviously, last year that didn't happen, but it's uh, amazing what we have to go through to um, calculate um, uh, the indoor versus an outdoor uh, space. So um, they take the square footage and they apply uh, formulas, and um, it looks like uh, we'll be able to have the whole graduating class together uh, from my latest report. Now, that could change. <laughs> That's what I know at 10.35 a.m. On, on May 4th, 2021. Um, but uh, we're very optimistic that uh, we'll be able to have a graduation ceremony. We've talked about having it outdoors, and now um, it looks like... Um, that is going to come through to fruition. So. Great. That'll be uh, location uh, at the high school, or yeah, it'll be at the high school um, at the Bison Field West. Mm -hmm. We call it. Uh, it's the we have uh, the new stadium out there. Uh, two thousand um, capacity on the home side is two thousand. On the visitor side, it's uh, seven hundred and fifty. But you also get to calculate uh, the square footage on the field, 
and um, that is underway. They're walking that um, that uh, facility, and um, and it looks like uh, we'll be able to accommodate uh, um, having the whole group together at one time. Uh, that'll be nice. Yeah. Man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, a lot of topics there as usual, Scott. And we, as you mentioned, we'll talk one more time here before the uh, end of the year. So we appreciate your insights as always, and uh, have a great month. And we'll we'll talk again. Thank you again for this opportunity. I really appreciate having um, the ability to update our community, your listeners, and um, I uh, look forward to it every month. So thanks again, Tim. Okay. Talk to you next month. Thanks. Okay. District 877, Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Scott Thielman, our guest, each first Tuesday of the month here on our Spotlight Session on KRWC.